Earners, what's going on? Listen, EYLU is relaunching, revamping, retooling. That's right, we're creating a new educational experience that's more expansive. Shari, tell me what we got. Yes, 2023. We got a lot in store, a lot planned for you guys. So you know that EYLU already includes monthly financial planning calls with me, book club calls with Troy, real estate calls with MG the Mortgage Guy, access to the home buying blueprint, volume one and volume two. Part of the revamp will include 27 local chapters from across the United States, live interactive teaching, hands-on, not just pre-recorded videos, plus 15 brand new curriculums. The biggest just got bigger. Head over to EYLUniversity.com. That's E-Y-L-U-N-I-V-E-R-S-I-T-Y.com. See you there. As I say all the time, man, thank you guys for rocking with us. You've been with us from the beginning. A lot of y'all, some of y'all been with us since today. But either way, we love you. Guys. So <laughs> today thank you is so old. much. Thank you so much, man. We really appreciate it. Shout out to United Masters. Shout out to Ally. This is the third year of doing this. And every every time that we come to Miami, it's always a vibe, man. So we really, 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 really appreciate it. Yeah, we got a special we got a special evening tonight, man. We 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 got a legend from where we're from, but not only in uh, New York, but definitely in Miami. Uh, Fat Joe, make some noise if you're ready to see Fat Joe. That's that storyteller, man. He was just telling us some stories backstage, man. So, Joe Crack, the dog, man. I'm in the Saudi Arabia with these guys. I've yeah. been to the vice president's house. Keep going. I've been anywhere. Switzerland. Switzerland with these guys. And they finally, you know, I'm hanging out with them one night, four hours. We in the lobby drinking. I say, yo, bro, it ain't real family. We can't break bread. Like, when... When you gonna break bread? And he said, in two minutes they gave me the phone call. Yeah. And now we here. What's up, y'all? Yo, the, make some noise for Fat Joe, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Now here's the real thing. The real the real statement was y'all not officially Terror Squad till we break bread. So I want to have y'all all welcome us to Terror Squad today. Thank you. <laughs> You know, you guys already fit the format. You're looking like Taliban. Y'all want that squad shit on your, on your, on your initials. But what's up? Y'all what's good, Miami? What's up? Art Basel. This shit fly as hell out here, man. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Sit down. Let's get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all can take y'all seats now. We're going we gonna to get into it. So, Joe Crack, man. I want to... I want to I want to talk about a lot of different stuff, but I want to start with the music. You come out in I believe 1993, Flojo, right? And now we're in 2023, mm -hmm. and you as relevant now as you have ever been. That's something that I think is extremely underrated. I don't think you get enough credit for how you've been able to maintain your relevance. Where are you at with music right now? And what's your, what's your take on the state of music? We see streaming. A lot of different things have changed. You've been through every era. What, what do you, what's, what's your thoughts on music right now? Well, um, for most of my life, I just wanted to be the best rapper on earth. And if it sounds delusional to you, it wasn't to me. So I'm competing to me. And my, you know, every time I wrote an album, I throw a post up a Jay-Z Eminem and Nas and I'll be like yeah I'm gonna get them you know what I'm saying and so every now and then we get lucky and throw out a lean back or all the way up or something like that and so um, the last couple of years of my life I have ventured off more as a businessman you know we're owning stores in my community 
um, investing in a bunch of businesses, doing TV, like I got a show coming up in Stars, which is like a talk show. I also have a series that me and Kenya Barris and the Torero brothers are doing based on my book. So I just been, I just launched, I don't know if y'all saw it, uh, hair coloring for men. <laughs> and the ladies, the ladies been gracefully Asian, so beautiful. And, you know, why not have your man looking good too? You know what I'm saying? Why fight the time when you can rewind the time? Why fight the time when you, you can, can rewind? rewind? Why you want to look 51 when you can look 40? Why you want to look 42 when you can look 30? And so I said, you know why? I put Khaled on the box. I put Tank. I put Tyson Beckford. I, th- I put Travis Kelsey. Oh, so that's your, that's your company? Yeah, that's mine. You know, <laughs> guys get a lot of money, man. We know, your leash, your baby. <laughs> we know some guys with so It's like, you know, it's like, yo, we got to work. Listen, guys, you need a product. That's how you really get rich is by owning a product. And, you know, no disrespect to nobody out here because you could be the next Virgil, rest in peace. But, you know, everybody who comes up to me, every hood guy got a clothing line. You could be online at Walgreens and a girl be like, here, Joe, let me give you my T-shirt for my clothes. Like, and so, like, every rapper got a liquor. You know, every, so I figured out you got to do something new out the box and try to be the first doing it. And so, you know, nobody was, at, you know, buying hair coloring for men is like, it's called Rewinded Yard. It's like buying your wife a tampon in the, in the Walgreens. You damn near got to run around the store, sneak to the counter. Nobody there, buy the shit. They're you running out the store. It's very similar. But no, no, it's the truth. That's how you buy your hair coloring in there. You like army and shit, flipping it. Now it's cool, bro. Just embrace, embrace. And guys, let me tell you, it's a lot of ladies in here. So I don't want to get the woman against me. But guys, if your wife is convincing you to stay with the white hair, she lying to you, Papo. She's trying to get you out the game. <laughs> if she's feeding you too much, she's trying to get you out the game. <laughs> Women don't like the man cock geezer looking slim, losing weight. They want you fat and with the white hairs. I'm telling you right now, why fight the time while you can rewind the time? <laughs> Number one, Mark. That's good. I noted, noted. My wife is watching. Uh, so the product now is different, but the original product, because I think people overlook that, you being a businessman, you having a label, because people hear Terror Squad, they don't realize that that's a business, right? You had artists, Pond, Remy, uh, Khaled, Cool and Dre. Talk about the lessons that you learned from that uh, venture to now putting it into products now. What are the similarities that, that you see? We just hustle. I've been hustling. I grew up dirt poor, guys. When it was hot outside, we didn't have no AC. We had to sleep on the floor. I was telling a story the other day. You know, every Thanksgiving, I don't eat pork. I haven't ate pork for like 30-something years. But when I ate pork, my grandfather, rest in peace, he would make this Virginia ham. And we would wait for hours for it. And then we would get the thinnest slices. And we was poor, bro. So they would have to carve it extra thin. So, you know, we got like 44 cousins. You know what I'm saying? So we was really, really poor, man. And so since a young age, I wanted more. And I chose the wrong path. And I was in the streets hustling. And we did that really, really good. And so once I started rapping, 
And I started having meetings with the with the record labels. I knew I wanted to be a boss and find artists and get my own label. And so I just was in the meeting with them for like one good hour. And I said, oh, shit, they say the same shit we saying. They're just using fancy words. So I caught it real quick. And so, you know, I put out artists like Khaled, like Pond, like Remy Ma, you know. And then we did that. And then, you know. They, they sat me down for something. I did every crime in the world but rape and murder, okay? So anything else, they tell you fat children. He was sticking up supermarkets. He'll sell anything, right? And so, but I actually finally went to jail for some shit I didn't do. I swear to God, as ironic as that sounds. So my accountant was robbing me. I'm sending him wire transfers for him to pay all my shit. He's robbing me, Ponzi scheme. So once I finally find out, uh, I get a lawyer. We go to the government. We prove that we, you know, was paying for everything. We were sending them wires. And it was like, you as the leader of your household, you got to go down for this because you're responsible for whoever you hire. So not only did they, uh, did I go to jail? I went to jail right around here. Um, I had to pay back millions of dollars that I had already paid. Right. So I remember sitting in jail and I said, you know what? Because a lot of artists, when you see your favorite artists, keep throwing out music, keep throwing out music, keep and it's not hitting. They trying to hit. And so that means to me, they really depending on that hit to go. So what happens when Fat Joe made all the way up? You've seen him performing every day, getting to the bag. getting. So that's all we rely on. So when I sat down for four months, I said, yo, I got to make I got to diversify. When I come home, I got to buy stores. I got to this. I got to that. I remember I was sitting with Remy. And I was like, yo, you know what? When we get our money up, because she came, she just I came out of jail. I had just I came out of jail. We was doing bad. Right. And I was like, when we get money, we got to buy like 100 Subway's sandwich joints. Like we can't be fucked up no more. Like we, we got to set this shit. Up. Oh, yeah. And so now um, I got maybe like eight, nine jobs where I make money from everything. And uh, life is great. So shot. Wrap it up for that. So Joe Crack, um, you know, it's history. The first time I ever saw you is um, there was this tournament in, in New York called Tri-State in Harlem. And um, it was the first time I ever saw a Rolls Royce and it was in Harlem. And um, Fat Joe had his Rolls Royce in the middle of the hood. And then I saw you at that uh, legendary Jay-Z game. And uh, was out there. I was there. I was there. And uh, Joe was had his shirt off with 30 Puerto Ricans and they was going back and forth with the fans was heckling you from Brooklyn throwing up the rocks on So Joe said he was lying about 95% of the stuff, but I can verify that that's not true at all. But let, me, let, me, let me say, I don't want to cut you off, but let me say one thing. I am telling the truth when I say I got my name Joey Crack because I always been fat. And you see how I got my shit tucked in right now? That's so you don't see the crack of my ass, all right? You see how I got my shit let me tell you something. The girls used to tell me, every time the teacher tell me, get up and write something, Mr. Carter Gina. They'd be like, ooh, Joey Crack. I had the name before the drug. Now, when the drug came out, it was cool. It was Joey Crack, right? But, um, and so when I say 95, look, guys, we had a very scary time in this world. When they're taking lyrics that you're saying in the, just now in the Young Thug trial, 
They took some lyrics and they said he did this. And his lawyer went up there and said, no, he got that from fuck your police. And he played fuck your police and showed that the lyrics came from like 1980. And so when they take it, the, the music is creativity. The music is an imagination. A young brother just came and said, yo, I wish you saw me perform. I just perform. I guarantee you, if it's standing, he said he owned the Bentley. He did see that. He don't own that shit. And so if they, if they lock you up and use lyrics in your song that sound like they could prove some shit. And so that's why I went up on CNN and said, yo, I lied about 95% of my shit because I have to let y'all know that they really is. A, is a, and, and, and they used to do this to you, everybody, a rapper, everybody tell you they a rapper, everybody, you know what I'm saying? But no, they went and grabbed the biggest rapper and used this bullshit. This is bullshit, bro. I'm not lying to you. And they use the lyrics against them that is imagination creativity and they about to give them 75 years if we don't get a miracle so i'm trying to save everybody else by putting myself on the cross and say yo i lied about 95 percent of us just so that the youth don't get oppressed in that way and so you know yeah i it, just because i said a lot about my songs don't mean i'm not real in real life you know, but I had to make an example. And hip-hop, to me, is my life, it's my culture, it's my religion. And so if I got to step up and and talk for the youth, I'm going to always do that. Just Joey Pratt. That's interesting. You, you, you said that you're real in real life. We've watched you since 93. Like, I'm a hip-hop baby, born in the South Bronx, KRS, all that. The transition you've made from being an artist to being a boss to now being the algorithm. Can we talk about that? Because that's not an easy transition. I know there's a lot of creators in here and they're all on social media and they're trying to figure this thing out and they're posting and they're posting. Talk about the being authentic inside of what you're creating to make yourself the algorithm. Well, everything about me is authentic. So if I'm talking to a homeless man in the corner or I'm talking to a billionaire, I'm the same guy. These guys was in the vice president's house for a dinner and they saw the normal Joey crack up in that. You know, you got to get all tight. All it, not me. Like, I'm Joe crack. I got up, went in the kitchen, got my own shit. I got, I got to tell this story. This is, so we had, this is a fact. We had the vice president's house. We had the, like, vice, we had the vice president's house, right? And this is like a 10. We're in her dining room. It's only 10 people at the table. We're actually eating dinner. We're like 10 people. And, you know, when they come, they serve you, they have, like, white gloves on. Every person has a butler that comes, puts the plates down. It's like a whole dinner thing, right? So, Joe, they, they put the glass in front of us, and it was taking him a long time for them to pour water. I guess he was thirsty. So he gets up, and he goes into the kitchen <laughs> to get water. Like, it's like somebody's grandmother's house. I'm like, yo, where is he? Where is this guy? Crazy. Yeah, we, we all look like, what, what's happening? But after that, I said, yo, Joe. I love you even more than I did yesterday because it was so real. It was so real. Yeah, if you like Fat Joe, you're going to take me the way I am at all times, man, because that's the whole thing is being authentic and being true to yourself, man. And uh, I'm not into people that fake it. You know, you get around a group of different people and your girlfriend start changing the voice and shit and people that I'm not doing that shit. I'm not doing it. Like, I'm just not. I'm Fat Joe. You accept me for who I am. Flaws and all. Then we good. Then I fuck with you. And I'll be like, yo, that's a real one. Because I'm not changing. 
So <laughs> you you said something before that you was in the streets your whole life, but you never got robbed by a street dude. You only got robbed by people in suits. You talk about going to jail. Like, how is that to get taken advantage of by, you know, accountants and business people coming from, you know, where you come from? And maybe you could shed a little bit more light on that tax situation. and how that The saddest that thing is they come at you. And I don't want to disrespect because this is a beautiful room, but they come at you and usually be your own people to begin with. And so I got robbed from my publishing when I was like 19. I came in the game. Latino dude came. His name was Jellybean Benitez. He did shit for Mar uh, uh, what's her name? The white girl, Madonna, all of them. So he came to me and said, yo, young bro, you just in the game. We both Latino. I'll show you that. That nigga robbed me. He robbed me. And I never seen him since. He's been robbing me ever since. And so these people who really rob you, like me, I know a thief. You know, I know who's gonna stick me up or whatever. Usually they never stuck me up in their life. It's usually the guys with the bow ties and the smiles in your face. And then we want to trust them because they look like us and they talk that Harvard shit and they talk all that smart shit and they smiling at you, but they looking at you like you're less sophisticated than them. And so when they talking to you, they just trying to realize what you don't know. That oh, I could rob them like that. I could rob them like that. I could rob them like that. And so my experience with accountants have been horrible. I got robbed two times. The one day talking about is the first time I went to jail for the guy robbing me. And recently, like two years ago, here in Miami, I was a uh, BDO, big accounting firm. I don't even want to tell you. I told you behind the scenes, the biggest people on earth, you know, use this account. So I'm thinking I'm the littlest guy there. And so then I find out they robbed me for millions of dollars. We go through it, and now we in the same bullshit. But at least this time, the feds is like, oh, no, you got robbed. <laughs> Yo, that's fucked up. It happened twice. Yo, I said, yeah, but I got, I went to jail the first time for this shit. <laughs> you called me a criminal, and now you saying I'm a good guy. It's the same shit. <laughs> and so, you know, we got to be careful, and that's why the financial literacy is so important. And also, we need to be teaching this shit in, like, schools, like, elementary, junior high, high school. And so I tell my daughter, I tell my daughter all the time, she ain't with it, and she ain't listening to me, but I tell her all the time, she be like, what you want me to be, dad? I be like, an accountant. <laughs> and she's like, why? I said, I don't want us to get robbed no more. I don't want you to get robbed. Because if I die, I'm leaving us some shit. I'm like, don't want them to rob you. You know, my son, he's trying to be a rapper. He's I. Right. I said, listen. <laughs> How do you tell him? <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's a scene. I'm into movies, right? I'm into movies. Good ones, bad ones, scary ones, whatever. I always learn something from movies. Like, look at all this AI shit. They've been telling us this in the Terminator, right? So I take what I take out of the movie. So one of my favorite movies is The Godfather, right? So The Godfather knows he's dying and he tells his son, Michael Corleone, he says, listen, I don't care who's coming to you and tries to broker the peace, even if they've been with you since 
the beginning of earth, this guy's trying to set you up to get killed. And sure enough, once the Godfathers died, one of the Godfathers' best friends for 60 years come and say, Michael, I want to set up the meeting for you to meet him. And then he looks at him, he says, oh my God, it was Balzini all along. Right? So you don't know. Sometimes you got the enemy with you. So I take my son and I sit him down next to all his uncles who I consider my best friends. And I say, look, if this guy or this guy or this guy or this guy tells you you're nice. that you're going to be a big rapper when I die and take your money to make an album, they're full of shit. <laughs> Keep the money, buy a business, do something. Do not take the money. I leave you to become a rapper. That's not for you. These uncles, man, I'm telling you. Yo, so this is interesting, man, because, I mean, loyalty. When, when I think Terror Squad, I think loyalty. I think longevity. When you're tested in those ways, right? Like you went to federal prison for tax evasion, right? Because somebody that you thought you could trust turned out to be somebody that you couldn't. Now it's happened again. How do you have the mental fortitude to overcome unloyal people when that's all you know? Man, I got my heart broken so many times. I had a best friend. The man was with me every single day for 25 years. I would have died for this person or allegedly killed somebody for this person. Allegedly. allegedly <laughs> Earners, what's up? Look, I want to give y'all a little peek behind the curtain of producing Earn Your Leisure. It's a lot more than just sitting down and chatting. It involves meticulous planning, recording, editing, and then promoting each episode to ensure it reaches all of you. And if you picked up any of our merch, then you know there's a whole extra layer of logistics from inventory management to shipping. Running a podcast is like running a small business. And speaking of business, I know many of you entrepreneurs are involved in e-commerce. You understand how crucial it is to streamline operations and cut costs wherever possible. That's why I want to talk to you about ShipStation, the multi-carrier shipping solution that integrates seamlessly with all your online sales channels. It's all about optimizing your shipping, connecting with expert partners, and freeing up more of your time to focus on scaling your business. Now let's talk about our experience with ShipStation. This tool has been a game changer for us, especially with automating routine tasks. Being able to manage everything from one dashboard and print shipping labels with just a click absolute lifesavers. Plus, the discounts we get on shipping costs are incredible. Honestly, it feels like we're saving thousands. And as our show and merch sales have grown, ShipStation's robust automation and reporting features have helped us keep up without missing a beat. For those of you who get overwhelmed by order volumes, ShipStation's easy-to-use dashboard is a dream come true. You can import orders from any sales channel, apply shipping preferences automatically, and handle customer service issues right there. Not to mention the savings with up to 89% off carrier rates like UPS, DHL Express, and USPS. It's no wonder over 130,000 companies stick with ShipStation long-term. So, are you ready to turn your shipping challenges into growth opportunities? Head over to ShipStation.com and use promo code EARN for a free 60-day trial. Again, that's ShipStation.com, promo code EARN. Start streamlining your shipping and scaling your business today. 
The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. So, you know, I'll tell you a story. My, I, I have two biological brothers, right? I was in L.A. I couldn't be there. My mother had emergency operation. They was like, she was sick. She had a heart attack. They had to do a procedure, this, this, that. And usually, even though I got older brothers, she would only listen to me. So this guy who is my best friend, I sent him to the hospital because I'm in L.A. He shows up and the doctor's like, miss, we got to do the procedure. Does your kids want this and that? She goes, no. When the guy walks in, she said, what do you say? She said, this is my son to my best friend because I was so tight with him. She called him her son over her sons. And he said, nah, ma, Joe said, do the procedure. She went, she did the procedure. I'm just trying to tell you how much of a best friend. If Fat Joe bought a Lamborghini, I bought him a Lamborghini. If I bought anything, he had anything. So when I go through the taxes, there's something called forensic accounting. So as we looking at everything, my new account looks at me and he does this. He goes. And I say, yo, what's up? He was like, man. Says here, your best friend, such and such, he's uh, he's stealing your money, and it goes back years. And look at this, he's paying his kids' school, he's buying his cars with your accounts. We shared an account where he could just go in my account and get whatever he want. We talking about loyalty, right? So it broke my now. I deal with death. I deal with beef. I'm real good with beef and war, like street shit. I'm one of the best, right? <laughs> um, but this type of betrayal, I go home to my house here in Miami. My wife was cooking. And I bring the papers. I call him over. He comes over like, oh, it's, yo, what's up, God? What's up? I'm like, yo, it's something wrong. I said, the, 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 the accountant said, you spending all my, you, you know, you're stealing my money in it. it, it is this your kid's school? Is this a car for your wife? Is this trips to Paris? Is this with your wife and bags and Louis and this and this? And I knew this guy for 25 years. His face just went. And I started shaking in convulsions. Like this. <laughs> I started shaking. I couldn't even control it. it. That was it. All the real nigga shit all that out the window. This your best friend? They just stole millions of dollars and put you in jail. And the first thing you get to hear is your best friend. When I was in jail, I had my wife giving him 10000 a month to make sure he don't look fucked up in the streets till I get out. I'm shaking. And all I could do is scream, why, 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 why? Because I would have gave him anything. And so, you know, betrayal. It's hard when you deal with loyalty, when you really put that first 
and somebody do that to you, you can't build a wall high enough to get over that feeling. What was his answer? He have to, I don't want to tell y'all what he said. Okay? No, 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 I don't want to tell y'all. Let's just say he really feared for his safety. Really feared for his safety. And so that's why he was screaming, please don't, 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 so what's the best practices to not get taken advantage of? Because it happened to you twice, like for up and coming creators, there's a lot of creatives here on the music side, art side. What's the best practices that you've learned to not get Look, taken advantage of? The old school of? one I heard Oprah Winfrey, Oprah Winfrey say, and Khaled just said it recently, is sign your own checks. I know it's annoying. Look after your own bills. Take out the time to look after what you're spending because otherwise they're going to rob you. I just don't know why people can't keep their hands in their pocket. Why they got to touch the cookie jar, but they get tempted with the money all the time. And if you don't watch it, they're going to go. And so you, so now we got, I hope is great, but we got like three of us watching this shit and then the accountant, you know, so we watching and watching and watching, you know, and uh, and so that's the magic of it. You know, that's the magic of it. The yeah, class of 93, like I said earlier, and one of the things that we've seen is that generation before you, uh, you know, the KRS-1s, the Big Daddy Canes, the Kumo Ds, we've never had a union in hip hop. And so I know there's some creatives that are here that are getting into music. I know it's something that you've been passionate about. I saw Andreessen Harwich just did something with Nas and they're trying to create something. You know, this is this is an industry where there is no health insurance and, and there is no benefits, right? There, there is no 401k. What's your thoughts on unionization inside of the world of hip-hop? So the good brother, Dr. Umar. <laughs> Y'all gotta get me the fuck off this thing. <laughs> I fuck with him, right? And I like him a lot. I almost love him. And, and I can't agree with 100% of this shit because then the woman will want to kill me or some shit, right? But I fuck with him, right? And so he was saying that hip-hop don't do nothing. So I went and researched, you know, like every... I know what I've done. What I've done is incredible. I just told you that when it was hot outside, we didn't have the AC. I had to sleep on the floor. I just told you it was most nights we ate rice and eggs. We didn't have shit. We was broke. And so I invest in the community myself. Anytime something's a problem, just last year we had 17 Muslim African brothers and sisters that died in a fire in the Bronx. We raised $2 million. Puerto Rico had the hurricane. Donald Trump threw fucking tissues at the Puerto Ricans. We send a million pounds of women's hygiene and food and medicine for planes to Puerto Rico. That's just me. You know, Dr. Dre donated $70 million to a college in L.A. Jay-Z got the, um, the justice reform where he raises millions and millions of dollars for people in the hood. To go. So I'm telling you, piece by piece, what hip-hop has done. 
So Dr. Omar says, hip-hop ain't do shit. We ain't got a union. We ain't got our own hospital. We ain't got... I disagree, right? And so we all do it our own way. And unfortunately, the hip-hop game has always been every man or every woman for themselves. And even though we love each other and we do share camaraderie, and even though we do have a fraternity, unfortunately, it was structured this way. I don't know if it was done like that purposely, so we can't help each other. But unionizing and giving the less fortunate artists, you know, you got to think of life without music. You got to think about, imagine life without music. Think of every time you broke up with your man and you listened to that song and it got you through. Or your mother passed away and you listened to End of the Road. Or the time our brothers and sisters went out to war but they had to listen to DMX or Nori to get through. The beauty of music is incredible. It's impactful. It's the universal language of the world. I've been to places that don't talk English but they know every song I say on stage. So we got to look out for the guys who paved the way, the pioneers who put it down. I'm all for union. I'm all for health care. I'm all for health care. You know, I don't know if you know, I'm representing you guys. Because there's over 100 million people in America that are bankrupt because of health care prices. Now, if you're a man and you bankrupt, you know your wife don't want you no more. It's over in the crib. They said, money is a problem. Especially if you ain't getting it like that. So it, it breaks homes. This isn't Republican. This isn't Democrat. This isn't white, black, Spanish, Amish, Native American. They're taking advantage of us. And the only thing, when you bought that bag, you knew the price. When you bought them shades, you knew the price. When I bought that sandwich, I knew the price. But you go to the hospital and they don't tell you the fucking price. And there's people taking a, a MRI that pay $2,000. The same, the same person online is paying $4,000. The next person online is paying $400. So we need them to show us the prices. So that now we can go to our three favorite hospitals and say, oh, no, 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 I'm going over there because that shit is 400. It ain't 4,000. And it's the law already, so they need to enforce it. And so there's a big, we passed the law in New York first time in history. By the way, you want to talk about hip hop. We passed the law in New York City, healthcare transparency. They have to tell you the prices. The mayor set up an office just to enforce that. Now, Monday, we going for the shit in America where Hakeem Jeffries is bringing the, uh, the, the, the law up. What's the name of the act, Rich? You here? Man, that man back there, man, doing some shit. But they're going to try to pass a transparency law in America. And that's important for you guys because we can almost Uberize the healthcare system till we know what we paying. We know what we got to pay. They're taking advantage of Americans all over. You know when I first, shout out to that. Clap it up for that. Shout out to Joe. You know when I first realized what you were talking about, so I used to play ball and I was in college and uh, I fractured my wrist. So I had to go to the doctor and they put a like a slant on my slant thing on my on my wrist. It wasn't that big of a deal. I just had to sit out for like six weeks. 
They sent me the bill, but I think they sent me the bill by accident. It was supposed to go to my insurance company. Long story short, I actually, for some reason, I, I read it. I probably would have normally just threw it away, but I read it. It said they did surgery on my wrist and I broke my arm. So they billed for like $200,000. So what I realized is that they're billing the insurance company. Now you can say, well, what is that care? Because now it all is a trickle down effect. The insurance company's paying $200,000 for something that costs $500, right? So now that's why your insurance premiums are so high because the insurance company is passing that. They're not taking a loss. They're passing that down to you. So this is like the biggest crime in the world right now where you could just literally, like you said, there's no transparency at all. You could say anything. We go to jail if we did that shit. For hundred years. years. For a hundred years. We would go to jail. There was be probably extortion, all type of shit. But they getting away with it, you know? Let me ask you this. As far as art, this is art Basel, so I do want to talk about art before we leave. So coming up in the Bronx, you know, graffiti. And that's actually how Basquiat started. You know, I'm a legend. That's how you started. I know. I'm a legend in graffiti. Fat Joe's like Forrest Gump if hip hop. <laughs> He's actually done everything. So you actually were a graffiti artist, right? Wait, before that, you was a real fucking graffiti artist. You was there when they was breakdancing. They got they got you in the I video. Yeah, I'm from the Bronx where the shit invented. <laughs> I wasn't that old. I was a kid. But yeah, with breakdancing, graffiti. Uh, I used to sneak out the house at night. My sister, rest in peace, she would be like, telling me, no, like, you know, I'd be like, yo, open the door. i go right on the trains, you know, and so I would have to make it back before the sun came up because my father and mother, they worked early and, they, and, and I was more afraid of my father than I was even the cops. Because he would really bust my ass, legendary. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I remember one time, so graffiti, you wasn't a real graffiti writer, right? So if you rap and somebody writes your raps, we don't really consider you a real rapper. It's a true story. It's different with R&B. In graffiti, if you don't steal the paint, like you have to actually steal the paint to be considered the real deal. You can, It ain't real graffiti if you buy the paint. You got to go in the store and steal the paint. So one day I go in the store, I steal the paint where I go with my father all the time. He was a carpenter. The man catches me stealing the fucking paint. I start crying like a baby. Please don't tell my father. Please. But, you know, my life, you know, graffiti is really an addiction and I'm still addicted to it. I fight every day. For not destroying property. I'll be like, damn, I know the vice president. I know the mayor. This they're gonna look at me crazy if they catch me in the news writing graffiti on some shit. But I swear to God, I fight it. It's, I get withdrawals. That's the one thing, that's the one high I can't beat. But so when you especially here in Winwood, when you when you drive around Winwood, because I know you got property out here in Miami. But what's the feeling when you see this, right? Because at a certain point in New York City, if you saw Winwood and it looked like uh, the Bronx and it looked like this, it'd be a cleanup act. How do we get these guys from stop terrorizing our neighborhoods? But when we see Winwood and we see all the art here and how it's celebrated, how does that make you feel? Well, Miami's a special place, bro. The reason I moved to Miami 20 years ago, let me tell you something. I might have almost had Four to literally physical fights in New York City this past year. Definitely had about 10 arguments where I could go bad, right? 
I've been living in Miami for 20 years. I never argued, fought nobody, had any problem. This is all about creativity and art. And they said, fuck it, you want to write graffiti? Just write in this area. Tear the shit up. <laughs> but just fuck up here. Don't go over there. New York, everything's so tough. You know, everything. I'm coming on the plane. I pay a special price, guys, right? I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I pay a special, it exists. I pay a special price. They skip me through the lines. They bring me right up on the fucking plane. And you wondering why you waiting and Fat Joe already in that shit. But I might pay double than y'all pay for this shit. This is a special thing they have. So they walking me past the line and this, uh, this, this just, this dude tells me, I'm with my family. We coming down there. This dude tells me, yo, 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 where you go? I said, no, nah, you know, I'm going to, yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm waiting online at this and this and that. And he start getting, he tries to act like the guy. So I said, well, yo, I was paid a lot of money to go up there and I don't use methamphetamine, bro. Get the fuck out the way. That's the type of shit that happens in New York on a regular basis. My daughter fucking covered her hoodie and ran in there so embarrassed. But I said, your mom, sometimes you got to get that. You got to do that so they can understand you ain't playing with these motherfuckers, right? You can step out the box. But over here, everybody's so nice, man. We love Miami. such a beautiful vibe, man. I love Miami. Fat Joe, legendary, man. So... Oh, wait. One, one last thing, man. I want to say, because, like I said, we've been around the world, man. We've been in... It's, it's actually pretty remarkable. We should have a, a Netflix series. We've been in Davos, Switzerland, the world economic, 300 billionaires, and it's Ernie Elysian and Fat Joe. We've been in the vice president's house with Don Cheadle and five other people, Fat Joe. We've been in East New York projects, <laughs> Fat Joe. We've been all around the world together. Um, what what's what's the last words you want to leave all these people with as far as like I said, you've done a tremendous job with you like Snoop Dogg where everybody loves you, like whether it's on the street level, whether it's on the corporate level. How do you maintain that relevance? How do you maintain that safeness while still maintaining that edginess at the same time? Let me break this down to you real quick. I discovered DJ Khaled around a bad time in my life. I went to jail. They took all my money. I lived five blocks from them, three blocks, right? I'm sitting in my house and I'm talking to God, right? And I'm like, your God, I thought I was your favorite. Your God, why am I going through this? Your God, why this and this and that? And I'm sitting there and it hits me. And so I go to Khaled's house. Now, Khaled's my little brother. He's a million times richer than me. He's more famous than me. His house is so big. It's so expensive. He usually got 20 workers in there, employees, chefs, security, this, this, that. This day, I walk in his house and it's scot-free. No security, no staff, no wife, no kids, no nothing. It's almost eerie. And I walk through the back. And when I get to the back of his house... He's in the jacuzzi face, face the other way, right? So I said, yo, Khaled. He don't turn around. I said, yo, Khaled. Yo, I've been talking to God. And he jumps in the air and looks at me and goes, God is the greatest. 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 So I said, this motherfucker knows. He knew this shit all along. He ain't told me the plan. 
So I'm here to tell y'all you could be tough, you could be smart, you could be everything. Nothing's more powerful than having God on your side and keeping the faith and walking with God. Because all the blessings will come. All the blessings will come. So keep, keep the faith. Keep God first in good and bad times. And I'll end it with saying, let your darkest moments bring your most clarity. What do you mean, Fat Joe? If you're going through something, a breakup, financially, health-wise, whatever, and you turn around and your so-called brothers and sisters and friends ain't there for you, that's God showing you they're not really with you. So you don't need them. And a lot of times in a positive way, we got to do cleansing. Get rid of these bad energies. These Don't you hate them bad energy when you got to open the door and you know she going to be all stink face in your face. Or, this guy mad as hell. This, you can't win like that. You got to keep positive energy people with you because you're never going to be successful if you got doubters. You know how people want to doubt everything? Yo, don't fucking doubt me. I know what the fuck I'm going to do. Don't doubt me. I know where I'm running this thing up to. And so you got to keep those kind of people away from you. I'm telling you. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Some noise with Joe Crack the dog.